the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How's your life? Feel like you're spinning your wheels? Well, stick around. We'll help you with that. As today's broadcast of Truth For Today continues with our series, Don't Waste Your Life. If you're looking for meaning in your life, if you're looking for value, uh, something to last long after you're gone, well, you're in the right place. Today on Truth For Today, Pastor Phil Howard continues with our series called Don't Waste Your Life. And one of the greatest books to help us with that from God's Word can be found right here in Philippians. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 30 is where we find ourselves today in a message simply called Risk Your Life For Him. Here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. I want to speak today on to live is Christ and what that means. And I go to Philippians 2. And I pick up at chapter 2, 1, where Paul says, If any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, If any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And if you were to strip that as the uh, motivation of human existence and lives, we can close down Wall Street. We close down a lot of things because you can't hardly find anything that doesn't run off of this motivation. Uh, conceit, uh, our own import, selfish ambition. Uh, I'm working it for me. That's just the normal order of things. But he says, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Uh, it sounds good, doesn't it? I want you to believe that about me. I'm not sure I want to believe that about you. Each of you should not, should look not only to your own interest, your name, your money, your family, your car, your house, your dog, your cat, your family. You shouldn't just look to those interests, but also to the interest of others. Maybe people you don't even know, people you don't look like, like, care about, but you ought to look to the interest of others. Now, he gives this incredible exhortation here. We ought to do that. And what could rise up in you as it did in my own heart? That's great. Show me somebody who lives like this. I'm not sure I do, and I'm not sure I know too many people who live like this. Can you give me any examples? And it's as though the apostle saying, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) And he gives us four examples as he continues the chapter. 
His first example is that of Christ in verse 5 through 11. Christ, who being very God in substance and essence, humbled himself to take the form of a man and willingly went and died the death of a criminal on a cross. Not under uh, coercion by anyone, not because he had to, it came internally. It was his self-emptying in order to die for us, to do the Father's will. And he never did his own will. Even in the garden, he says, not my will, but thy will be done. He is the full and the epitome of this exhortation in his own life. Christ himself did not live for his own interests, but for the Father's will. He gave up all advantage that he might be a crucified Savior for us. So there is no question Christ is the outliving of these kinds of principles. But then as you continue, you come to verse 17, where we pick up Paul's testimony and he says, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul is saying my own ministry is like a drink offering. Uh, I'm like something they took to the sacrifices of the Old Testament, whether it was wine or water, and they poured it on the broiling meat, and all that happened was it turned into vapor. It was evaporated. And so he's saying of his own ministry, I am being poured out on the sacrifice of the cross on behalf of your faith. I've given up having a wife. I've given up the right to pay. Uh, I work with my hands with leather in the daytime that I may get the gospel to you free of charge. I've suffered the loss of all things, he will say in chapter 3. I've been in all kinds of dire circumstances. What am I living for to get the gospel to those who don't know Christ, going to the Gentile world, and I am pictured as a poured out drink offering. No question he's living by these kinds of standards giving up his own interests for the interests of others. Then he says, in all my relationships, when I think of people, in verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, but you know, Timothy is in a league all of his own. He doesn't say I can name you five people or ten people. He said, I know a guy when it comes to you guys, you Philippians, that this Timothy who pastors at Ephesus This man is consumed with the interests of Christ first. Uh, Everybody has their own interests first. What are they interested in? Number one, them. That is just the norm. You don't even need to ask them about. You know that going in. That is the assumption. But, But this man, Timothy, he has put the interests of Christ above his own interest. He's living out the exhortation. 
Then he names one other man, a man by the name of Epaphroditus, who had come to the side of Paul to minister to him. And he begins to describe this man in verse 27. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. Labored to the point of uh, obviously wasting his health, to the point of fatigue, exhaustion. He nearly died, and the cause of his death was not working three jobs to make money, but spending himself on the cause of Jesus Christ. And Paul himself was a recipient of this ministry. And he says, he's even risked his life to the point of death in order that he might make up for your lack of service. It's a very interesting term, this term for risk. It's the term for gamble. And it meant to gamble one's life. It was used of the dice thrown for high stakes. And he's saying, this man Epaphroditus said, here's my life. I throw it down in the work of Christ. I suffer even the possibility of death, but I'll risk my life on the cause of Christ. I'll risk my life for the interest of his interest. I am being spent. I'll spend and be spent for the cause of Christ. Now, it's very interesting that to be an American is to be risk conscious. We want to be risk free. We want our finances risk free. We want our health risk free. We don't want to do anything that puts us in harm's way. I understand that. But sometimes it militates from doing anything by faith. Because to do things by faith takes a risk. You don't always know outcomes if you decide to do it. I think of when I started Valley, I had some other men that went out to start churches. And when they went out, things didn't go the same. Matter of fact, there's a lot of hardships and uh, difficulties. And these men said, why is it that it didn't go just like when you started Valley? I said, because faith is always a risk. We don't know the outcome. But you risk yourself for a great cause. You risk yourself for the name of Christ. Two things I think of. Just to be alive is to be at risk. Uh, If you want safety, don't be alive. If you want a risk-free life, don't be alive. Uh, You have no guarantee that you'll be alive tomorrow. And James says, don't boast that you will be. You don't know uh, if a heart attack is going to hit you today, tomorrow. You don't know if a stroke is going to hit you. I am alarmed lately of all the friends and connections I know of people fighting cancer. Uh, A man just having a cancer removed that was on the inside of his ear. You don't have good enough eyes to see every place it's going on your body. If it's on the outside, you can see it. Oh, there's a mole. You've got to take care of that. Oh, we've got to watch that. Oh, I'll catch it in time. You can't catch it in time sometimes. 
I can't predict if someone's going to be drunk and go across a double line and kill me and my family. I can't. I'm at risk being alive. I cannot predict anything about my wife, my children, my grandchildren, my extended family. Everybody that I know is at risk. And I think in this matter of not only life is it risky, but the thing next to life itself is this matter of love. Uh, You know, to love, to allow yourself to love somebody is about the riskiest thing you could ever do. You know what I'm saying? I'll split our income with you. We'll be both broke. Uh, You know, in the money and out of the money, I'll love you all the time. Uh, It's risky. You know, you see this woman or this guy, I love them. Not to say you like them or you're infatuated, but no, I'll commit to them. I'll wash their underwear. I want to wash their socks. You know that, you better really be sure. You, you want to really be sure. Uh, I'll spend the rest of my life with them. Or something as crazy as this, as crazy as this honey, Let's have a baby and raise the next bank president. Crazy. You don't know what you're going to raise. Oh, you think you do. You think you're going to raise a genius and instead you raise someone just like you. Uh, Listen to what Lewis said in his book on the four loves. There is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Even old Shep dies. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy or at least to the risk of tragedy is damnation. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. Dare you risk loving anything in this life, it will be a risk. You don't know if they'll be true or not. You don't know if this marriage is going to result in someone with an invalid, a loss of health, We do not know. That's why with God, God never takes a risk. Because our uh, risk factor is our ignorance. We don't know. You marry, you hope it'll last. You don't know because you're not omniscient. God has never taken a risk. He always knows the end from the beginning. It's you and I that take the risk. So to be alive is to live at risk. So I want to invite you to the risk life of living for God by faith 
and being willing to risk yourself to do his will and to make his interest your interest. And that say, here, Lord, I have but one life to give. And I'm willing to risk my money, my time, my whole life. I want to have a purpose. And you've saved me for your purpose. I'm willing to take the risk. Let me give you some examples of people who've done this. Uh, if we had time, we'd look at uh, 2 Samuel 10, where Joab and Abishai are going to fight against the Amalekites. And uh, Joab, uh, leading the armies of Israel, tells Abishai, he said, if I get in danger, come to my aid. If you get in danger, I'll come to your aid. And then he says these words, be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. He had to risk his life or run. He did not know how the battle would turn out. He decided that I'll leave the results with God and he will work all things together for good. Whether I'm slain by the Amalekites or not, I will risk the battle. I would speak to young people. Find something worth risking your life for. Find a cause greater than the only thing I hear in America today is make money, make money, make money. And especially in an economy like the Bay Area that costs so much to live here. And an economy that is $38 billion in debt. And a national debt of $450 billion. And when we've got people like Enron that can jeopardize your retirement for life. What is there to live for but money? Let me say to you, the interest of Christ is greater than money. My admiration is not for millionaires. It's for those who have risked all for the cause and purpose of Jesus Christ. Those are my heroes. We don't know what the outcome will be, but we will throw our life into this battle, Joab, and leave results with God. And that's what I love about being a Calvinist. I know my God's determined all outcomes. And even if it's my death by martyrdom, it's good for me. I've got a God in charge of my future. We see someone like Esther in the Bible. Esther, a Jewess, married by this Gentile Persian king. And... Uh, Bribed and tricked by evil men that hate the Jewish people. And he gets the king, Ahasuerus, to make an edict that will kill all Jewish people in the province of Persia. Which, my, it took up Iran, Iraq, Jordan. I mean, it, it, it was raining. It was a huge empire. Killed every Jew in the empire within so many days. The king doesn't even know he's married to a Jewish girl. She won the contest, not because she's Jewish, but because she's beautiful. And she had Uncle Mordecai kind of advise her all the way how to handle herself. And the king is just swept off his feet. And so Mordecai gets a hold of her and says, are you aware of the edict? Your people, we are all going to be killed in so many days. You're our only hope for a reprieve. Let me tell you, you must go see the king. But to go see the king was a death wish, was to risk your life. 
You could never go into the presence of an oriental king without an invitation. You could not walk into the throne room without being killed. And so Mordecai lays down the options to Esther. And this is what Esther says to Mordecai to tell her people. Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. I'm expendable for a greater good. The salvation and the sparing of the lives of a people descended from Abraham and being connived against and hunted down. My life in exchange for theirs. And as the marvelous story goes, she goes in and the king extended the scepter, which meant, I'll receive you, no death. What do you want? And through this woman of faith, this courageous Jewish girl, a queen for a Gentile king, an edict and a plan is revealed. And God brings hope and deliverance to his people, Israel. I would to God I could hear people in this place and I would that I could say it. I said many things to God as a teenage boy being called. I think I need to renew a lot of my vows. You get comfortable. Comfort and ease seems to be an American right. But those that I follow have given up everything to make Christ known. If I perish, I perish. What a great thing. I think of three Hebrew boys that when the king of Babylon builds his uh, idol on the plains of Shinar and says at a certain time all the instruments will play and everybody on these plains are to bow down to my God in a moment's notice. At the fear of losing their life. And when they are pointed out because they are standing in the midst of this multitude, they are standing strong. The king inquires of them, are you out of your head? What's going on? And they reply, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But watch this. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. The king was says, bow or burn. And they said, we will trust God to be delivered or trust God to die. There's no alternative for us. God will either deliver us or we will willingly die than to become idolaters on the plains of Shinar. We know the one true living God, Yahweh. 
And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our broadcast today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the program encourages you in Christ and how this program is being used by you on a daily basis. Are we just a normal part of your radio listening? Do you tap into our resources available at our website? Have you visited our church? These are things we would love to hear from you. Take a moment, call or write to us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. You're also welcome to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Take advantage of the resource materials I mentioned a moment ago. We have several. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also find information about Valley Bible Church right there as well, who we are, what we believe, worship times, services, and directions to the church. We'd love to have you join us, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Again, that's truthfortodayradio.org. If you're writing to us, our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And then, as we conclude our time together today, we would also invite you to partner with us. This radio broadcast and the many resources that accompany it are available as you partner with us, as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large, and you can do a one-time gift or make monthly pledges. No matter, we'd love to have you be a partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the Bay Area and beyond. So contact us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. And you can also donate online at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today. Today.